when you see it from the coach's position and, and you watch somebody like get that clarity and then execute and move mountains, just like a shift of awareness or mindset, it's mind blowing. I mean, you could literally hit a wall for a year and then you have one conversation and it's like amazing. That's Angie Wisdom and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm Cara Duffy, a business coach and entrepreneur on a mission to help you live your most extraordinary life and make the impact you want by showing you anything is possible. People who have mastered freedom, ease, success, who are living their best and most ridiculous lives who are changing the world are often people you've never heard of until now. Today, you're in for a treat because today's guest is my amazing business coach, Angie Wisdom. She'll spill a few beans about me. We talk about her coaching journey and we get into things we wish everyone knew about themselves and their capabilities and so much more. I hope you enjoy this peek into who is a key contributor to my business and my life. And may she inspire you too. I'm so excited to have you today on the Powerful Ladies podcast. I'm happy to be here. This is going to be fun. It, I am very excited about this because so many people ask me about who my business coach is mm-hmm. and today they get to meet you. So let's tell everyone your name, where you are and what you're up to besides being a coach. Yes, uh, Angie Wisdom and I am in Newport Beach, close neighbor to you, right? And besides being a coach, I am a mother to two boys who are 16 and 17, so almost one going to college, and um, married for, gosh, almost 25 years now. If I'm not coaching, I'm usually golfing. Mm -hmm. So I think the first question I have to ask, because when I tell people your name, they think it's a brand name and not your real name. So as a coach, having the last name Wisdom is kind of perfect, but it really is your last name. It is. And everybody asks me that, you know, they're always like, is it really your name or your stage name? And <laughs> it is <laughs> definitely not a stage name. <laughs> I, uh, I got it through marriage, but um, it works well in a business. Yes. Hey, brisket. Uh-uh. Um, and of course, you know, you and I have been working together for three years now. Is that <laughs> accurate? I think it's almost three years now. Yeah. Yeah. Which wow. is crazy to me. Um, but I know that it was so hard for me to find a coach that I felt fit and understood me. And I had talked to a couple and tried a few before I found you and it just wasn't working. And it was so defeating because like, I, I knew I needed a coach because there was just, mm-hmm. I was getting in my own way about my business. I knew I was doing dumb things that were like relatively simple to fix at that stage and it was making me so frustrated that I couldn't, hadn't found you yet. <laughs> and then through the magic of social media, like you kept popping up on my Instagram and I'm like, well, she's a coach and she lives down the street and she has red hair. I'm like, maybe I just call her. Yeah. And I think I even said that to you when I reached out and you're like, yes, let's meet. <laughs> you did. And I was cracking up laughing because I remember you saying like, uh, well, I'm a coach, but I'm looking for a coach and you have red hair and yeah, so do you want to connect? Do you want to meet? And I was like, I love this girl. 
Is that the strangest outreach you've ever had? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody's ever reached out to me based upon my hair color before. (laughs) So I knew it was a connection in that moment, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, it's, you know, the, the finding your coach process can, is hard, right? And sometimes who you need evolves over time, but I knew I needed someone who wasn't going to like, just look at one piece of my Mm. life or my business or where I was stuck, but really look at the whole picture and also have someone who would just like, tell me like, like you do such a great job this being like, can I just tell you what I'm thinking right now? (laughs) Versus like guide me through questions because I do that with my clients and I'm like, we don't need to waste any time. Like if I'm a hot mess, just tell me I'm a hot mess. I'll go fix Mm -hmm. it. Give me the to-do list. Um, Was that different for how you normally coach people or like, how have I been a strange scenario for you essentially? Oh, that's an interesting question. (laughs) Um, You, you're spot on though. Um, technically coaching, right, is all about asking questions and making your client come up with that answer because they have the answer and it's more empowering. But I truly believe once you kind of settle in and you're comfortable and confident in your coaching, you have to be able to use different techniques and different clients respond to them differently. And if I feel like it's something that you need to come up with your own answer, I'll definitely ask you the questions. But I also can hear sometimes for you, you almost have that sigh. And it's just like, could you just tell me, you know, and and I have no problem doing that because look, um, part of the beauty of having a coach that maybe has different insights or experiences that you get to use that. So you are definitely, um, not everybody is like that. It, most people really love to feel empowered and come up with their own answers. But there are certain types, um, especially the reformer type, right? You know, that right and wrong, like, just give me the goods. Tell me what's right. Tell me what's wrong. And let's get on with the show, you know? <laughs> yes. Which I think anyone who knows me is nodding their head right now. Like, yes, that is very much what Kara's like. Right. <laughs> I would love to go back to your journey because you aren't always a coach. So how did your professional career start and how did you end up becoming a coach? Sure. Um, I mean, my professional career, I actually started in banking when I was still in high school. I literally had like you know, days or like hours off of my schedule so I could work at a bank. So I kind of got into that corporate world early and um, thought I was going to be a nurse, but ended up in um, finance. I ended up working for Morgan Stanley when I think I was 22 years old. Um, Had to fight them for it because I didn't have, you know, the degree and the pedigree to get into the program. But once I started as a financial advisor, I loved helping people with their money, but I ended up enjoying helping other brokers and helping them raise their business. So that was almost kind of like where I dipped my toe in the water and started to coach a little bit. I ended up managing an office for them and helping brokers, eventually went on to help my husband's business. And then we started an investment firm where, again, my role was bringing in brokers, coaching them on their business. So then I wasn't even really like your certified, you know, coach. It was like, let me help you build your business. Let me show you how to be successful. But, you know, over time, I realized that there was healthier ways to do that instead of like, you know, you just drag your ass across the finish line, you know, (laughs) whatever, you know, you just make it happen. I found there was a better way to do it. And that's when I really got involved in the credentialing side and the life coaching side to 
have a better approach to get people where they wanted to go. What has surprised you most about being a coach and what has, you know, been the best part so far? Mm, Let's see. What surprised me most is how powerful and impactful it is. You know, I mean, I have a coach, obviously, and I know it's helpful for me, right? Because I'm in that seat and I get the coaching. But when you see it from the coach's position and, and you watch somebody like get that clarity and then execute and move mountains, just like a shift of awareness or mindset, it's mind blowing, right? I mean, you could literally hit a wall for a year and then you have one conversation and it's like, you know, amazing. And, and there you go. So I think that's what is really um, most surprising to me. I knew it was helpful, but it's, it's really mind blowing. And I already lost track of your second question. <laughs> I'm so excited about that one. <laughs> I was asking, what's your favorite part of being a coach? Oh, seeing people's successes. What's, what's, what's the biggest success you think you've helped someone achieve? You know, I, I love the numbers. I love the the business success for people when they start small and they're literally making their dreams come true. And now they're, you know, they were like a couple hundred thousand dollar company and now they're, you know, a $25 million company and they never managed anyone before. And now they have 50 employees. Like that's really, really fun, but it's almost like, systematic, right? Like there's certain things that you need to do. Um, The life coaching side, when somebody literally transforms their life, when they started from a place of like not believing or so stressed and overwhelmed and life just sucks. to moving to this place of like, I have the best life. I love myself. I, I can accomplish anything. Like talking about it gives me goosebumps because that's crazy. I mean, that's the, the most amazing success to me. I had a client wrap up um, their latest package today. And we've worked together for a year. And she's trying to figure out like what frequency makes sense for us to continue working together. Mm-hmm. She's pulling in some other uh, guides and advisors for different parts of what she's up to. And I had to stop her and be like, do you realize how different you are from who called me for the intro call? Mm-hmm. Like, so different, like energy different, attention different, like yeah, perspective, clarity, like all the things were so different. And I know like as being in the coachy seat, like every day feels like I show up in the same hot mess when I go to see you. I'm like, <laughs> nope, back in the same hot mess. I don't, I've made no progress since last time in regards to r- reducing the hot mess level. But when you see it as the coach, like there's so much progress that gets made for people. Mm-hmm. Like what, what do you do to keep people present to that? So that not only, you know, do you get credit for the magic that you're doing, but that they get credit for the work that they're doing. It, it's so true. I mean, it, what you said is spot on, right? People don't acknowledge where they've come from. And, and hearing you say that cracks me up because I mean, I can vividly remember our first conversation and where you were when we first met, you know, um, so it's, it's amazing, you know, how you've transformed, but 
I don't want to get too far off track, but I created this morning mindset journal, right? That we can talk about, but in there, there's a section that's like for gratitude and a section of what was your win. And it's like, if you don't draw attention to that, if you don't celebrate that, where's your confidence come from? So it's something that I, you know, I hope, and I really try to empower my clients to do every day because you find that win and you're like, oh yeah, this is, this is my 1% forward today. And it's so important. I've had many people ask me like, what do I need to do to be more confident? Mm -hmm. And my answer is usually you got to go and do something that scares you (laughs) or you like you have to take an action, right? That you can't like wish it. But I love that you said, just write down what you, what you're grateful for, what you've Mm -hmm. done. Um, It doesn't have to be a big, scary thing. Mm -mm. I, I don't think it does, you know, but it's acknowledging we give so much attention to everybody else Mm-hmm. And we discount what we do and how we show up to a fault, right? Because then we don't give ourselves that credit and then we do lack confidence. But I'm a big, my number one thing for confidence is put yourself first. You start putting yourself first, you'll have all the confidence in the world. And that's so hard for people. Oh, it's so hard. I mean, like it's so selfish, you know, like how can you put yourself first? You know, what about everybody else? And it's such a, you just got to reframe it. I mean, look, you can either show up and give to people with half of your battery and, you know, ability, or you can put yourself first, take care of yourself and show up with all that you have. You know, I'm not talking about putting yourself first and let me take six hours to go to the spa and massage. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a, it's not a selfish act. It's about making sure you're in the right place and fill up. So what are, like, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis for people who are on the extreme end of not doing anything for them to put themselves first? Like, what are some steps they can take to just start moving into a little bit of self-care? I mean, it's why I developed that morning mindset routine and that journal, because literally in 10 minutes, you've got seven prompts where you sit down with yourself and you ask yourself, how do I feel? What do I want to do about it? right? So you're listening to yourself. Step one, um, what do I want in my day? You're having a say in your day. There's confidence, right? Um, who, am you, who are you affirming yourself to be? What's your gratitude? What are you praying for? What are you visualizing? Like just that 10 to 15 minutes puts you first. You know, we're so used to waking up and tending to everybody else. Like, right. What's a client need? What's a kid need? What's a spouse need? What's the dog need? And Every time we do that or social media, we're basically saying like, I'm less important than everything else. I'll take care of me last. And um, it was funny. I was having a conversation the other day on IG Live with my book coach. And I said, it occurred to me like the Talladega Nights saying, if you're not first, you're last. (laughs) And I was like, that's what people need to think of. If you're not first, you're last. Give yourself 10 minutes first thing in the morning. That's it. And you are already on the way to taking care of yourself, putting yourself first, building confidence. Mm-hmm. I have a confession of all the things you've told me to do. That's the one thing I can't do. And I don't know. It's like a journaling thing in general. Like I can, I can answer all those questions in like five minutes. I can, you know, I'm like, do I just need to do it at night instead of the morning? Cause that's when I feel like I can do it. 
but like I have failed at any journaling type of habit I've ever tried to start. I'm willing to take on now that I've completed the 75 hard and I'm moving into like what's round two to add that in, Mm -hmm. but I am so bad at it. Like, and it's not that I don't have a morning routine, but like, that's the piece where I'm like, why am I either avoiding it or not thinking it's important or whatever the psychology is behind me being like, "Eh, I'll skip it. Mm -hmm. Like I literally did it for like five days in a row and then haven't touched it since. And it sits Mm -hmm. on my desk and stares at me like, Angie's watching. She knows you're not doing it. <laughs> I'm going to send you a picture of me to put like right on that journal. I'm looking at you, Kara. <laughs> yeah. With a, a pointy finger, like yeah, get it together. Get to work. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You just said something so interesting. I don't know if you caught it. You're like, I'm so bad at it. Who wants to do something that they believe they're bad at? Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, nobody. Nobody. So you're, you're going, especially as a reformer, you're going to go in a different direction of that because you're not doing it right. You're not doing it good enough. You're not good at it. So it's like, I don't, I don't want to do anything that I'm not going to be good at. Can we tell everyone who's listening what the reformer means and what it relates yeah. to so they can go figure out what they are? <laughs> They're like, why is she calling her a reformer? <laughs> yeah, it makes yeah. me sound like some historical, you know, religious <laughs> movements. Yeah. It works though. It's good. Um, yes, the reformer is an Enneagram personality type. And um I have all my clients take an Enneagram assessment, which is how I I led you to that, right? Um, In taking the assessment and you figure out what personality type you are, you know, maybe you're a peacemaker, a helper, a loyalist, and Kara happens to be that reformer, which is really a very like black and white, right and wrong um, personality type. So it ties in with that. I don't do this well, so I'm not going to get involved in it. Well, and the irony, which you and I have talked about before of there's, there's always a symbolism that are themes that re- that occur over and over again. Like all of my clients will, will be worried about confidence or then all of my clients will have a money thing. And I'm like, how is everybody on like needing the same things at the same time? It just always works that way. And the irony of this conversation right now is that Monday in my rise and thrive call, mm-hmm. we had a whole thing where I was like, guys, you have to go and find spaces where you are a novice and you don't know what you're doing and you look like an idiot and go do it. Cause my example was doing jujitsu. Like I hadn't done something in so long that I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I had started training before lockdown. So I got to go for like eight weeks and then I had to stop because they shut the gym. But when I went, I felt like an idiot every time I was literally laughing at myself, looking like an idiot live in the moment. Mm -hmm. But it was so fun at the same time because we don't, as adults, off, we're not often in that space. Um, so, of course, I just coached everybody on it. And three days later, it's like, oh, yeah, and now you're actually not doing it either. So nice try. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we bring that our own awareness in like that? And I'm sure you see that with your clients all the time. Yeah. Right. Where mm-hmm. they talk about teaching an employee something. Right. Or a kid or a loved one. And then you're like uh mirror right yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it just goes to remind everyone that you don't need to be the expert because you will continue needing to grow yourself to like actually help people in whatever area you want to help them you just need to be ahead of them (laughs) yeah it's like my favorite is when clients will ask for something over and over and over again and i will give them a 
option or a path or, hey, try this, call this person. And it keeps being the thing that they like don't want to take the action on. Mm-hmm. And then usually because of someone else in their space or team, again, that mirror shows up and I'm like, oh, yeah, remember that conversation we had? And maybe you should finally do it because now it's like biting you in the ass because you've been avoiding dealing with it. For sure. You're like, you're the yeah. example now, right? Of- yes. <laughs> Yeah, especially when people, as you pointed out earlier, like move into managing teams. Mm-hmm. We do such a bad job uh, in the corporate environment of teaching people how to be leaders. Mm-hmm. It was a racket I had, you know, in the corporate space where like I was lucky to have like gotten my MBA. So we talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Some organizational behavior spaces. I was really lucky to be in some corporate settings where they gave people leadership training before they promoted them. But it's so not common. And mm-hmm. so often we just promote people because they are bored or like there's nowhere else to put them or you just all you do is move up. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a designer that worked. I worked with at DC who said, I don't want the promotion. I just want to be the designer. Like it was so insightful of him to know, like I like being a design manager kind of sucks if you like mm-hmm. designing because you never design again because you manage people and spreadsheets and budgets and it's like boring manager stuff. It's not fun. <laughs> right. Um, but we're not, we're so not good at that. <clears throat> and how often do you see like leadership coming up for people in their personal and professional lives? And do you see that same gap? Every day. I mean, most all of my clients are leading companies or teams, um, you know, in some way, shape or form. And it's just so funny because they preach one thing, right? But practice something different. And I always think, I always kind of think of that expression, those who can't teach, right? And it's like, they're like, why do I know this? And I tell people to do it, but I'm not doing it myself. Um, it's challenging. We just, we, the corporate industry was never that way. It was always managing and leading takes so much patience and presence, right? And it's a slow process. And we live in a world that is like so fast, instant gratification. I'll just tell you, we'll get it done sooner. And we don't ask questions. We just give advice. It's a battle. Mm-hmm. Well, and we also, I think, underestimate how much time it takes to lead people. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I tell people that they should plan to be able to contribute 25% to getting things done and 75% to their people, they have a panic mm-hmm. attack. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but if you if you are there for them, they can do all the stuff. <laughs> like, right. Like we, we, it's amazing how we just don't want to give up doing small tasks. Yeah, the delegating is hard or the belief that um, you're going to save time with it, right? Like it's that hurdle of going, well, but I'm going to have to slow down and take time now when the reality of it is that's time just one time right now. You're going to get it back like a million times over. Just do it now and get it out of the way. But the thought of that is more burdensome than, you know, doing it yourself again and again and again and again and again, you know. So there's a lot of criticism about coaching Mm -hmm. because it's an industry that has is growing and continues to expand and not everyone is certified. Mm -hmm. 
How do you approach that when people say like, what's the power of a coach and is it real? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, there's a little controversy behind it, right? Because it's the fastest growing, I believe, um, the fastest growing profession out there. And more people are like claiming to be a coach every single day. And, you know, I mean, I, I coached for a long time before I was certified. I don't know that I coached to the highest ability before I was certified, but I certainly create helped people create success. So I think there's a blend there, right? Of like the certifications and the credentialing, uh, you know, combined with experience, right? I mean, there's something to be said too for somebody who just declares themselves a life coach and gets a, a three-week certification, but, you know, is 20 years old. I mean, <laughs> you got to bring some real life experience, business, personal, whatever you're coaching around to the table. I do keep seeing like two women in my Instagram feed who mm -hmm. are like, I started this business and now I'm making seven figures as right. 24 as a life coach. And I keep having the thought of like, who's saying yes to you? Like, <laughs> and I, you look at the audience and they're usually adults. Uh -huh. Like if you're coaching teenagers or college students, got it. But I, I'm I'm baffled at, like you said, how young some people are who are stepping into this optimize and maximize your life space, mm -hmm. which I'm like, good for you. Like, go get your seven figures. And like, either you are, you know, an anointed one or like, what's the gap that where's the other possibility of what you could be like helping somebody with? Or how do we redefine what your niche really is? Because right. Life coach is so big and uh, it often gets confused with therapy and everything else as well. Um, but it's fascinating to me, like all these people who do have expertise and do have credentials and do produce results who are petrified to, to use the word coach. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people who are like, this is what I do. And people say yes, and it's great. And you're like, oh my God, this is an example of like, just go and do it, please. It's so true. Like it, it was one of the things when I decided I was really going to like put myself out there as a life coach. Right. Um, I remember doing that and telling one of my friends and he was like, Oh, that's so exciting. Like, so you're going to like, you know, motivate people and like pat them on the back. And I, I was kind of like cringy a little bit, you know? And I was like, Oh no, that was my reason right there. I'm like, Oh, I'm keeping the name and I'm changing the name. But to this day, I have a client, a super successful client. And she's so funny. She'll be the first one to say, I tell everyone you're my business coach, you know, <laughs> even, even though you're really my life coach too, I call you a business coach because you know, life coach. And I'm like, call me what you want, you know, but there's so much value in it, you know? And it's funny that we kind of turn our nose up to it or that it gets a bad name because shoot, I mean, we have problems in our life. When you have problems with your, your weight or your body, you go to a personal trainer, right? You have problems with your mind, you go to a therapist, you have problems with your heart, you go to the doctor. Like, why wouldn't we get support mm -hmm. on the way we run our life? Well, and it's the hub of all those things you just mentioned. Right. <laughs> like, right. It's maybe the most important piece. And I think it's because people we're so afraid that we're broken and mm -hmm. we're so afraid that we can't be fixed. Mm -hmm. And we're so afraid that like we're a lost cause. It's like, well, I'll just never get my shit together. Yeah. And you're like, what? How are 
you and I obviously live on a planet where like that doesn't actually cross our minds ever. But you and I both know so many people that that's that's what they're okay to think and go to sleep and wake up the next day. I have to bet on myself of not physically rescuing them and forcing them onto mm-hmm. our boat. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, I don't understand how people are, are okay with like good enough. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, it, it. Two thoughts popped up for me when you were saying that. One, I remember it's conversation and I hope you don't mind me bringing it up. And I remember you saying like, how do you get the people to do this work who don't want to do it? And I was yes. like, um, <laughs> well, you don't, you know, like they have to want to. And I think that's part of it. Like ignorance is bliss for some people, right? Because it would be too painful to know because if you're not going to do the work and what you find out, it's like, let's just keep that door closed. I'm just going to go on the way I'm doing it. And I'm going to be as happy as I can be in this little state here. And I think that's part of the morning routine. You know what I mean? Because you start uncovering all that. You start finding out that you don't follow through with your intentions or that you are depressed or overwhelmed. Now you got to deal with that shit, right? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm teaching that um, financial fitness for entrepreneurs class right now. Mm-hmm. And we're right in the middle of it, which is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And everyone's in that space where they're like, oh, I have to really look at where my money's going. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. And I'm like, yes, but like the truth will set you free. Like, go do the work. Like, this is going to open up all these things for you. But you, yes. to your point, you can't see it if you don't track it or write it down or even like look under the underneath to see what's there. And, um, Everyone who I, because I work with so many creative entrepreneurs, right? they're so petrified often of a spreadsheet. They like all the number stuff. They're like, no, just do the math for me and tell me what price to put. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But once we do it, those are the people who come back to me and they start showing me their spreadsheets every session because yeah. like, it's like, no, look, it like, it, it becomes math, not magic. Mm-hmm. And like, <clears throat> I just, I think you and I both just want people to know that looking into those spaces, they're so much less scary than we think they are. Mm-hmm, for sure. Especially because neither of us are therapists. So we're not going to go down into any dark alleys with you and your, your mind. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, you know, I, I think that part of that is the judgment around the awareness. And I, I told somebody the other day, there is no bad awareness. Awareness is simply opportunity to celebrate or opportunity to change. There's no bad awareness. So you spend too much money. Okay, great. Now you have awareness to do something about it, right? But people often take the awareness and then they judge themselves and they make them, you know, selves feel bad for it. And so we've got to come to this place of like awareness is powerful. Awareness is not judgment. It's all good. Like publicity, so. right? <laughs> no, yes, bad publicity. Exactly. no bad awareness. <laughs> no. And, and often, you know, I, I find people getting really judgy with themselves, not just about, is this number good or bad, or is this Mm -hmm. action good or bad? It's like, well, before we decide if it's good or bad or not, like, do you even want it? Do you want to keep doing it? Like, if I just choose to like, be like, screw journals, I'm just never going to journal. I just let it go. Right. I can just choose not to have that in my life, even if people think it's good or not. right? Right. Just like if someone decides to swear off 
drinking or I don't know, you name it. Like we don't have to do all the things just because we're supposed to, yeah. or someone tells us that we should, but until we take stock, we don't even know what we're doing. It's so true. That makes me think, you know, I said forever, I was a horrible writer. And I remember sitting in coaching groups and everything going, I just, I'm so stuck and I'm a horrible writer. And I finally got to this point where I was like, you know what? I'm okay with it. I don't need to write. Like, like you said, like, I'm just not going to write. There's nothing wrong with not writing. And then all of a sudden, like a year later, I find myself, you know, writing the book. Right. And it was like, no, I, I can't, I can't be stuck with just being bad at something, you know, talking about facing your fears, but it is true. We get to make that decision. Like we don't have to conform to what is right. You can stay with your choice to not do something. How has being a coach changed your personal and social life? Mm. Personal life drastically, you know, I mean, I had so, and I didn't even realize I had so many areas that I needed to change that I just had no idea how to do it. And so coaching for me changed so much of that and continues to do that every time I talk to somebody, because, you know, when you teach, when you coach, you learn too. Mm -hmm. So it's changed my life drastically. I am um, calm. I am peaceful. I don't worry. I don't react. I don't get mad. Like, and those were all things I did all the time. (laughs) Um, I take care of myself. I never used to take care of myself. I always put myself last. So huge, like monumental pieces. It changed Mm -hmm. for me. Mm Mm-hmm. You and I have talked a lot about having to turn the coach off mm-hmm. because it's, you know, I I used to be called out for like being like Mrs. Manager at home because like I just don't turn who I am is usually who I am everywhere. But mm-hmm. there's a layer of like having to step back and ask people if they want coaching or maybe just decide to listen instead of give advice. It's very hard for me because I'm sitting there like with my mouth shut, sitting on my hands being like, mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to help you. I'm just going to listen. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. So h- how do you handle that? And and how have you evolved um, containing coaching to a coaching session? It, it was so hard. I mean, like in the beginning, I mean, I'm not going to lie. You, you feel like super powerful, right? You feel like this magician and you're like, I, have the answer. <laughs> I can ask you the right question. So in the beginning, it was hard. And um, I remember still to this day, I'll ask my husband certain questions and he'll be like, uh-uh, don't you coach, don't you coach me? And I'm like, okay, you know, but I'm just trying to help him get awareness. But um, it's funny now because my coaching went from wanting to constantly contribute, you know, and help people to really being such an active listener you know, that now my friends and the people I'm with will be like, come on, say something. What do you got? And I'm like, what, you know, and I just come with a question, but I'm very quiet. And I just, I don't throw it out there unless somebody prompts me for it because unsolicited advice isn't usually very welcomed, you know, no. for some people. <laughs> no, my, my brother will be, will confirm that. <laughs> I regularly have to be like, may I give you advice? Would you like coaching? And I have to accept it when he says no. And I'm like, right. okay. <laughs> All right. You, you need might to write really him a letter. Need a drink. 
Yes. <laughs> right I was wondering, this year. Like, <laughs> are you leaving post-its for your husband, like on the mirror? Like, don't think about this. And like running away. <laughs> right. I know. No, it's a very, it's funny. Even my kids, you know, they, um, they know they'll be like, Oh, she's gonna, my clients always call me like, you know, I don't know. What's the little character from star Wars or something. Um, um, like a C-3PO or R2-D2? No, or... the little, like, I can't even remember. Yoda? Little, yes. Yeah. Is he from Star Wars? Am I right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, and then it'll be like, you're, you're like Yoda mind tricking me or Jedi mind tricking me or something like that. And I'm like, no, seriously, I'm, I'm just talking to you, you know, but the family's on guard, you know, they're like, you gotta watch out for her. <laughs> She's gonna make us do stuff that we don't even know we're doing or we didn't ever agree to. <laughs> You'll, when I was um, at Puma in Germany, we they t- put us through a bunch of communication classes. They were the ones that mm-hmm. had like really great personal development mm-hmm. training. And the class was half expats and half Germans. And in there was like, you know, my, my boss at the time, two of my bosses who are Italian, another two other Americans. And we did this whole class about like communicating and listening and myself and um, Andrea, my boss, who was one of the Italians, we both raised our hand with the same question. Cool. Now we know how to do this masterful communication. Um, how do we use it to get what we want? <laughs> we both went to how do we manipulate people now that we have these skills? And I'm like, I looked at him and I was like, what is like, we are psychopaths that like, we're like, okay, cool. How do we use this to our advantage? Thank you. Bye. And the teacher who was German thought we were totally crazy. All the other Germans were horrified. I'm like, it must be a cultural thing of um, the, where there's alignment with the American culture and the Italian culture of like, now that we have this, how do we use it? Right. Because everyone else was very passive about all this, these tools that we were given. But I'll never forget that moment being like, oh, our brains work differently. Got it. <laughs> That's so funny. But like, what good's a tool if you're not going to use it, right? I mean... <laughs> especially knowing I'm a reformer now I'm like cool now I like if you give it to me we're using it (laughs) right (laughs) I'm gonna get everyone to do things the right way yes there there was also a book oh what was it it's one that I've recommended before but it was talking about um it asked the question do you give up on an idea that other people don't like or do you Mm -hmm. keep working at it until they do it your way and I'm like oh I do that like I, a no to me is not actually a no. Right. I'm constantly just like moving everyone to like thinking about it my way, doing it my way, like making it happen. Mm -hmm. And I shared that with my boss at the time. And he's like, yes, yes, you are. He's like, sometimes I just wonder if I have any control over it or if I should just say yes now. And I'm like, oh, good. Okay. It's working. (laughs) You're like, one way is going to save you a lot of time. Right. Mental bandwidth, all that stuff. So, yeah. But I think that's part of a great quality of a coach. I mean, I think that's a common theme with coaches. It's like, you know, of course not that we're making our clients not say no, but like we have that tenacity and perseverance to really help clients, you know, see their things through or overcome their challenges. Grit, right? Mm, Absolutely. Kara Golden wrote a great book called Undaunted. Uh She's also a fellow redhead. Her name is Kara. So I literally emailed her on LinkedIn. It was like, we have the same name. We both have red hair. You should be on my podcast. And she's like, okay. So first proof that <clears throat> LinkedIn direct messaging is awesome. And just be honest. And people will say, yes, 
you're an example. Kara Golden's an example. <laughs> um, but th- she has this book on Daunted, and I'm reading it going, that was me. This was my life. Like, I, I could not believe how many parallels there were in that, like, not accepting no as a reasonable right. answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it baffles me, just like when you, we were talking earlier about people who accept good enough. Mm-hmm. Also, like, people mm-hmm. just accepting a no when it's something that matters to them. Mm-hmm. Um, even like, I remember my siblings in school when they would, <clears throat> I don't know, not get a grade they wanted or not get, I'm like, go back. Right. Like everything's negotiable. Go back. Right. <laughs> and they're like, you can't negotiate your, my third grade test scores. I'm like, yes, you can. And it was, I don't, I don't, I'm very curious, like how I was programmed that way. Cause I don't know if, I don't know other people in my family who are necessarily. How do you feel? Like, do you feel like you're an outlier in your family or do you, are you like, I know exactly where all of this came from? No, for sure. And I'm, I'm sitting here laughing about it because like my family, my, my primary family, husband and kids, my sisters, all of them are like, oh God, they don't stand a chance. Like whoever I'm talking <laughs> to, they're like, just give her the room she wants now. Just fix the dinner. Like, and and they're like, but you're so nice about it, you know, but yeah, everything's negotiable. I don't really know where I got that from either. Um, but yeah, I just view everything like that, everything. And, it, you know, I had a client the other day at the end of the year, I should say, one of her goals was to buy her um, first home. And she was like, I didn't qualify for my mortgage um, because of the way my tax returns are. And she's self-employed. And I was like, oh, well, just let's call somebody else. Don't take no. And she'd already talked to two people and she's like, what do you mean don't take no? And I'm like, somebody's going to say yes. We just keep calling people, you know? And so literally she just moved into her house and she's like, because I I didn't take no. But like to some people, it's just not a concept. Like you're told no and the answer's no. And you just accept that. And it's not that they're um, weak or not up for the challenge. It's just how that's how they were raised. You get a no, you just listen and you obey. Obviously, I don't know. I guess I didn't do that a lot when I was a child. (laughs) We failed that test for sure. sure. I was like, well, how about this way? You know, Mm -hmm. um, I would be doing a disservice to all of my clients and listeners if I didn't let you share some behind the scenes about our experiences together. So what is something that you would like to share about me that you think would be interesting to them? (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Here I like kind of locked all those secrets inside to not let any of them come out during this podcast. (laughs) Threw away the key. you know, I think it's an, I get this for myself. And so I think that your, your clients probably get this too, in a sense of like, we struggle too. Like you struggle when you sit with me, you have struggles, whether it's over believing that it's going to work or, you know, seeing the picture or having the confidence. I mean, you struggle with the same things your clients do you are not this like unicorn who has it all perfect and never has a challenge and just, you know, is 100% on fire all the time. I think people think coaches are that way, you know? Well, and the, and the most frustrating part for me where I beat myself up 
is I will literally just have coached someone through to an extraordinary mm-hmm. place on the exact thing I know I need to go get coaching on with you. And I'm like, and I, and I know this is the truth of like, you can't coach yourself, but it's still because I'm a coach, I'm always sort of coaching myself before I ask someone else for help. And I just have to stop doing that because it's such a waste of my time. But <laughs> it's, it's so frustrating to be like, I just helped them make a bajillion dollars in this exact area where I can't turn the key in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How could I, te- how could I t- get someone else to do it? know the right answers, know what to do. And yet I can't do it for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's what's like, I want to hit my head against the wall when that happens. Cause I have no patience, but like, that's what I'm usually bringing to our sessions where it's like, yep, all of these things are things that I've helped someone else do. And I can't help myself do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and so I think that's interesting, you know, that you struggle too, and you're showing up with the coach in the same way that your clients are showing up with you. And, and doing the work. So I think that's interesting. Um, also, I'll tell you this, and you may, you may want to delete it, or, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to put it out there. Um, like I literally, I referred you to somebody yesterday. And so I think what's interesting about you too, is that we've worked together for three years and I still don't think you fully know your worth. And, and I said that to this guy the other day, don't kill me for this, but I was like, yeah, here's, you know, here's her name, here's her number. And I go, and if you look her up online, she might seem a little like softer, a little bit more like, you know, yeah, you can do this, but she's really a freaking badass business person. So <laughs> don't let anything you see, you know, change your mind. Um, you want her in your corner and I'm like, she knows what she's doing and she's got the credentials. So, you know, that's something I find very interesting about you, you know? Well, and I hope my entire marketing team just listened to that so they can go and fix that because that's, that disconnect is not okay. And you and I have talked a lot about that, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's so easy in the, in the coaching, especially in the powerful lady space, like how there's the two businesses to get sucked into this soft, like basic bitch nonsense that's like so icky to me especially like the conversations you and I have had where I'm like I would never say that like right how did that get posted or yeah like there's so many things that it's so easy to get sucked into what other coaches are doing and you're like Mm -hmm. those coaches are boring like and this is not a competitive thing it's just like a every coach is so different right it'd be really weird if like I would be caught off guard if you showed up in sneakers and like all black and had pink hair one day. I'd be like, (laughs) what were you abducted by your children? Like what happens? Right. Like it would just not it wouldn't be off normal expectations. Right. Whereas if I show up, you know, with a fancy handbag, someone's like, did someone give that to you? Are you being forced (laughs) to use that? Like what happened? So it's just, it's so funny how we don't lean in on those things that other people see for us, Mm -hmm. um, which is why we need coaches. Right. It's so true. Yeah. It's, but I think part of it, and you tell me, sometimes it's like, you want to help everybody. Right. And and it's like, it's hard not to try to appeal to like everybody. And, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll find your way. <laughs> well, and I think it's that badass. <laughs> when I look back to like when I, our first session to now, I, I think that's one of the areas where 
I've leaned more in on is like who I'm saying no to because at the beginning, just like any other business, it's like we need like we yeah. need all the cash flow. So like say yes, we'll figure it out later. And then my marker for people is always you'll get to a point where you're so mad, you'll just start saying no to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I keep mm-hmm. hitting these these tears, which I think you've probably felt through with me of like, I'm like, nope, like this is more irritating than it's worth. Like you're yeah. out and having to fire clients and or someone said it so nice on the podcast the other day like sometimes I have to gently let people go and I'm like oh that's much more a positive way to look at it than firing someone thank you for that terminology (laughs) Uh but it's true like you you get to a place where you're so it doesn't it you've for me it's I hear the whispering first to either do or not do something, mm-hmm. it gets louder and louder to the point where it's so obvious that I'm like, how was I doing this before? Mm-hmm. Like, I I get insulted with myself from yesterday when like I see it in clarity. Um, yeah. So it does it does keep getting more refined, and I think that's part of the mystery that we've been working through about my business of like the marketing piece because mm-hmm. it's getting more refined and how I'm selling and who I'm saying yes to and like all the behind the scenes stuff, but outwardly it's not getting refined. Right. Yeah. You, you definitely got there with your clients and, and I'm, I'm still, I remember we went out to dinner, right? Like a while ago and I was like, you need to be at like a bigger table, you, mm-hmm. you know, like you should have a bigger seat and um, you've constantly been kind of going in that direction and you're taking those seats, but yeah, the marketing just has to kind of follow. You yeah. Know? But it's hard. Yeah. Marketing's so hard. It's it's also hard when if you're when you're so focused on doing the work versus talking about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it, <clears throat> and for me, the marketing piece is where I've struggled the most to find the right a team and and perspective and like understanding what I'm actually doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about people who are on my team right now, but it's, it's been an area where I keep wanting to give it away and like really step into that leadership space of like, here, you take it. Like you're an expert. I'm not, let me focus over here. Like I really want to be in the product space and the leading space, not in the talking to people I haven't met yet space. Right. And obviously I don't mind if it's a podcast or something else, but like to daily content creation. I mean, it makes me roll my eyes even just right now being like, ew. (laughs) I saw that. I'm like, whoo, that is not an interesting, you're like, yeah, no, I saw. Um, But you've done, I've really been impressed in the past couple of months in particular, seeing how you've shifted your marketing approach. Mm. You're doing a lot more reels. You're, um, I keep like forwarding to my team, like, look how great this is. What would this look like for us? And you're doing like, I really see you stepping into talking to strangers more than you ever have. Mm-hmm. Was that a strategic decision? Um, are you working with a marketing specialist? Is this just, you know, you and your infinite wisdom? Like, how how did that marketing shift happen for you? You know, and thank you, first of all. I appreciate you noticing that. Um, I think really, it, it, at the start of this year, I said my two words were impact and passion. And it all stemmed from that. It was like, my coaching business, my one-on-one business is at capacity. My groups fill up. Um, I have, I'm writing a new book. My book's almost done. And that was kind of like, how do I help anybody who wants it? You know, how do I have an impact on the people who are ready to receive it? And that's kind of where I took my marketing. 
was just like, here, let me put out these core pieces. So I think there was a shift from, I'm not selling anymore, which is just super powerful, right? I mean, marketing needs to sell, but you get into this place where you're really free, right? When you're like, I don't care if anybody, I I don't have anything to sell anymore. You know, like now I can just like put out there how I can impact your life and share with you. So I think that was the huge pivot for it because I just started talking and sharing and really going, how can I impact somebody's life or day in these, you know, what, 60 seconds on a reel? And that's, that's my purpose, impact and passion. And for all of my clients and Thrive members who are listening to this episode, <clears throat> I hope they hear the echo of why we were focusing in January about how do we achieve our sales goals in Q1 because we got more things to do than sell. Yeah. You're an example of that, right? Because we don't realize how much selling takes up our time, right? There's intro calls and follow through and onboarding. Like there's so many pieces to that. Um, so if we can just get that handled now, we can literally move on to something else. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When you hear the words powerful and ladies, what do they mean to you individually? And do they shift when they're put together? Hmm. Powerful to me is just like capable, right? Like beyond belief, you can move mountains, um, kind of that, not take a no, right? Like you are powerful. You can get things done and make things happen. Um, Ladies, I think there's a grace with it, right? Like there is some class, there is elegance with it. So being a powerful lady is this ability to get things done and to make things happen from a place of grace and class. No, so that's kind of what comes up for me. How much have other powerful women impacted your life and trajectory? Full transparency, not a lot. I I didn't grow up um, with a whole lot of women role models at all. Um, You know, my stepfather was probably kind of like that shining light for me. So I really didn't have a lot of the female role models that impacted me, um, probably not until, and look, I was in a male dominated industry, right? I was in financial services my whole life. So I didn't have any female leaders, never had a female leader, if you believe that, ever. So I I do. Yeah. I didn't have female leaders. I didn't have female mentors. Probably the first space in that was moving into coaching. Right. When I started taking courses from female leaders or working with female coaches that I really got that empowerment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel the same way. Like I've had powerful women in my life from a family mm-hmm. perspective, mm-hmm. but in, a, <clears throat> I mean, I had female bosses early on, but the first couple of ones I had, I didn't relate to mm-hmm. that. Like it was like this weird like playing the role of being a leader, but not thinking you could be a leader energy. Right. And then working in sports, fashion and sneakers for a long time and then skateboarding, I started getting a few more because there were more peers that were kind of coming up with me. But there's been many tables where if you ask me like who's inspired me the most until, until the past maybe 
10 years, there probably wouldn't have been a lot of women on that list. Right. More women I didn't want to be like than be like. (laughs) Interesting, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I would have listed like Shira and Gem and the Holograms on that list before like an actual person. (laughs) Right, right. Like the Babysitter's Club would have been on the list before a person. Exactly. Um, I mean, I was named after Angie Dickinson, the policewoman. So maybe, you know, she's in (laughs) (laughs) But that's about it, you know? Yeah. And I just realized that now, like how many female role models were fictional in my life more than not, right? Like, you know, even like Nancy Drew, like all, they they weren't real, but like I believe as a kid, I believed them as if they were and just thought like, oh yeah, I can do that too. Mm. Well, that's probably a better role model than like Laverne and Shirley. I mean, that was (laughs) if I could laugh and have as much fun as them, that was my role model back then. I like that. Yep. How do we get more laughter in? Mm-hmm. Um, you hit a little bit on how you've been kind of expanding your value ladder. And one thing that you keep coaching me on, which I want to make sure people hear, is how you've approached your business of like securing the top of your value ladder and making that feel but, like you've been doing a waterfall effect mm-hmm. where I think so many people, even myself, ha- have done this of how do we do the entry price point first versus fill the top pieces? Mm -hmm. So because you've had success in going top down, you're now, you have your journal now, you're writing your book. Um, Has like, has expanding your value ladder been like organically evolving or is it something that you've had a plan to do? Like if I hit this number, then I'll open group coaching. If I hit this number, then I'll write my book. Like how, how has it happened for you? It was not like a strategic plan, honestly. Um, I'm super competitive. So when I started, I was like, okay, what's the goal? What, what am I going for here? You know, so I started with that top approach because it just made sense to me. And it wasn't until, you know, from capacity standpoint and also pricing standpoint, right? I mean, it not everyone can afford to work with coach on a one-on-one basis. But I was seeing that need. And from a capacity standpoint, I was like, how do I impact, right? And help people at a more affordable price? How do I scale my business? And that kind of led to that group coaching aspect. And then even at that, it was like, okay, well, that's kind of maxed out. And there are some people who can't afford that and that's okay. So then what can I get them on? You know, um, this morning mindset journal and, and now, if they're not doing that, what can I pour into them? And, and that led to the book. So it's really just been like an expansion of reach to help serve. That's the easiest way I can put it. So you said that your keywords for the year were passion and... Impact. Impact. You have your book coming out. Mm-hmm. What else should we know about you for 2022 that we can help manifest? Mm. Um, I am going to get my MCC, my master coach certification, the highest certification for coaching. So I will be tackling that this year. Um, hope to be on that best-selling author list. And those are pretty much my big goals. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I share with you the snapping for dream clients that was happening with my client. Yes. We had to like turn off the snapping and then we switched it because now she's looking for an agent to represent her. So now we're snapping for agents and that's uh-huh. 
I'm like, I don't know why. This, I think it's 100% mindset plus action, right? Yes. Um, so I will make sure that the Powerful Ladies community mm. is snapping for bestsellers for you. Thank um, you. So, because it's such a, people don't realize how hard it is to achieve that title for a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so, there's a lot more politics involved than I think people realize from the outside as well. So um, we're going to be all t- helping you push that across the line. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, So for everybody who wants to support you, work with you, figure out a way to get on your wait list for coaching, where can they find you, follow you and and connect with you? Yes. uh, Instagram, Angie Wisdom Life Coach is where I put out the majority of my content. Um, I do so many freebies, you know, Zooms and lives and all that good stuff. So that's the easiest place. Um, everything is easy to remember. Angie Wisdom website. No, it's just the name. So you, you know, I'm super accessible. And even at this level and capacity, I respond to my DMs personally. I respond to the emails and I'm always happy to help and lead. So those are the best ways. Although I have to tell you, you're like, I, I feel like you're more hip than I am. So <laughs> pass out. Um, I, I know I definitely have a decade on you. So <laughs> one of my clients asked me to start a discord. Oh yeah. Server. So soon I'm going to be able to say, well, I am, I created my server. So soon I'm going to be able to say, you can find me there. So that's pretty interesting. <laughs> so fancy. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so need, um, I think the bridge is TikTok too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That TikTok masterclass that I hosted with um, the guest expert was like drinking from a fire hose so i think we're gonna have to like break it down and do some more supporting things for it but we literally had people on there who were like 16 to 70 Mm -hmm. and it's so fascinating what's happening with those niches and the fact that you can just like use it everywhere else but yeah there's like discord and twitch and there's so many places now it's almost people are asking for coaching on how to choose like which ones they go right right yeah it's a lot i feel like um my mom was feeling when ATM cards came out, you know, she was like, what? Put this card in the machine and you get money out. You know, like, I'm like, what? Discord, what? You know, <laughs> but I'm learning. I'm growing with it. I'm going to try it out. So we'll see. <laughs> I love that. Well, we ask everybody on the podcast where they put themselves in the powerful lady scale. If zero is average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady possible, where would you put yourself today and where would you put yourself on average? Oh, Kara, come on. You know that's like a 15 or a 20. Come on. Th- thank you. Thank you. Highest I'm... score ever so far. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're, we're busting scales. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Um, well, you know, I just want to acknowledge you for the impact that you've had on my life and my business. I mean, literally, we were able to make... S- tremendous progress within like, I think two or three sessions that completely shifted the ability to take the business to something that worked first and then could scale and grow. And it's just, it's so refreshing to have a coach that I can literally bring anything to. Like I I now joke at like what the list of questions are that I bring to you because there's there's like half business. The rest are like random life questions. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to ask because she'll have an answer. <laughs> and if she doesn't, she'll send me to somebody else. Um, <clears throat> but it's just so nice to have you in my corner. And 
You've literally changed my business and allowed me to do what I love and to serve the people that I love serving and to make the impact that I get to. So please take credit for all of that and mm-hmm. add all of my people into your list of who you're impacting to. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That's so sweet. You, you know what it's like to coach amazing people. And I'm grateful that you, you know, sit with me week after week and do that because there's just nothing more rewarding than seeing somebody tap into their full potential and conquer it all. It's all your credit. Well, I'm going to keep giving it all back to you. Thank you. <laughs> keep coming back and forth, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, well, and thank you so much for being a yes to the powerful ladies and sharing yourself with everyone listening and for, you know, not spilling all the beans, all my secrets, but I'm sure you might get a few DMs and people be like, tell us the truth. Tell me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But thank you so much. You're welcome, Kara. Thank you. All the links to connect with Angie are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review. They are so critical for podcast visibility. Come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. And if you want to connect directly with me, visit caraduffy.com or Kara underscore Duffy on Instagram. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.